The Curious Lawyer, asking the legal questions you want to know the answers to. Ellison Legal has limited liability under a scheme approved by the Professional Standards Legislation. This podcast provides you with general information only. It is not intended to provide you with legal advice, nor should it be taken as legal advice. Please contact your legal practitioner for legal advice that is tailored to your specific circumstances. Welcome to The Curious Lawyer. Today I have with me Kate Lewis from Voice Lawyers. She is an employment lawyer with a master's in dispute resolution, and she is also a nationally accredited mediator. Welcome, Kate. Hi, Nicole. Thanks for having me. Thanks for coming on the show, Kate. Um, I brought you on the show today because I want to ask you the question that is on a lot of people's minds. We are all curious about is mandatory vaccinations and employment law. I think this is a big one. It's a very big one. And I think everybody is curious about it. It was the most booked out um, training that the Law Society has put on this year. So everybody is keen to know the answer to that. I'm not sure I can give you an answer, but I can certainly tell you what's been going on in the space. Yeah, I think it might be helpful to find out um, if there's been any any cases going on and um, what some employers are doing. Um, so let's just start look into that. Some people are even coming up to me. I'm not even an employment lawyer um, and asking the question, I'm an employer. I want to know what is it that I can do? Um, but one of the main things that they want to know is do they apply whatever the rule is? If there is a rule, do they apply it to all all their employees or is it a case-by-case basis? Right. Well, that is the big question, isn't it? (laughs) So (laughs) there is, I'm not sure that there is a rule. Certainly there's been some public health orders that have been made and um, that affect certain industries and on an industry by industry basis. I think one of the complicated things in this particular area is that the majority of our workplace laws are federal, but then there's been some state-based imposed laws, which is the employment, the the public health orders that sit and have been affecting us all. And so they are different uh, in each state. But in New South Wales, we've had orders now, mandatory orders that um, emergency workers must be Uh, vaccinated health workers and teachers so we've had those orders made on a state basis the issue is that a lot of our that the fair work commission and most of us are employed under federal law so it's how those those laws are intersecting is is causing a little bit of confusion a lot of confusion for people right yeah, so we, when the, you've got um, workers like healthcare workers and school teachers, what, why is it that they have the, the health order for them specifically? Well, I don't want to sort of uh, guess why they've made that health order specifically. I presume that it's because they're in contact with, um, with more people. What has come out is that the Fair Work Commission has given some guidance to employers where they've made a four-tier classification system to give 
uh, to give employers some sort of guidance. Now, obviously, those state-based public health orders um, are, are an order that has to be followed. Uh, but generally speaking, when you've got people at work, tier one, they're saying um, it's it's will most likely need to be um, vaccinated if they're employees that are required as part of their duties to interact with people with an increased risk of being infected. So that's where you've got your, you know, paramedics and ambulance, um, health workers, people working in hotel quarantine and border control. So they're clearly going to be coming in contact with people that have this virus. Then they've said, um, so they've, they've said, look, it's like these people are going to need to get vaccinated and, and the state legislation is mandating that those people get vaccinated. The next classification down is tier two, and that is where um, employees are required to have close contact with people who are particularly vulnerable to health impacts of coronavirus. So people working in healthcare, aged care, and it's saying that they'll probably need to be vaccinated. Okay. And as you can see, again, the public health orders have overruled that and they've made that on a state basis compulsory. And there's a few cases arising out of that. So then we've got tier three, which is where there's interaction between employers and other people like customers um, and the public. So that might be things like um, our general uh, retail or, you know, depends, you know, sales where you're interacting with the public. And in that case, it's saying that that's going to be up to the employer. And then tier four, where employees have minimal face-to-face -face interaction as part of their normal employment duty. So we've experienced where, Obviously, more people have worked from home. Nearly everybody's been working from home on some level. But there are some people who only ever work from home um, and their, their jobs can, can be done perfectly well working from home and that's just the nature of their work. And I guess in that we're looking at people like IT people, perhaps even some of the customer support people that only work on phones now. And there's a whole lot of roles that have even popped up even since um, since these lockdowns have been happening where it's more and more aimed at you being able to work from home. So I guess what they're saying is it's unlikely that those people could be, you know, made to have a, a vaccine at work. But, but by and large, what's coming out is that it's going to be up to the individual workplaces as to what they do if in, in light of there not being a public health order across the board. I mean, the line still is that vaccine is, man is not mandatory um, unless, of course, you're in one of those areas and that it's a voluntary decision that you make, um, make you know. Yeah, I, th I think that's one of the concerns that some people will have is they might be employed by someone where it's not, doesn't sound like it's either that one or, uh, T1 or T2 that you've just mentioned, it's, it could be a T3. Um, and they're getting um, news from their employers that nevertheless, they're still having mandatory vaccination. So it sounds like a lot of employers are taking that up, even though it might not be fall into those top two T's. Yeah, that's and that's correct. That's what we're seeing. And there's, I think, the, um, the Kasim and Hazard case where he was a... Um, he was a construction worker and that challenge went all the way through to the Supreme Court. Um, obviously, he wasn't successful, but it, it wasn't that he was unsuccessful on um, the fact that he was losing his job. It was more that he didn't have that freedom of movement. Um, and so 
that was upheld and he lost that case. Um, so, but you've got to bear in mind that the public health orders are still in place and that they will actually sunset. So they will end. They can't go on forever. It might feel like it, but um, the legislation isn't there to support them going on forever. They will end. And then it'll be interesting to see what happens after that. Yeah, how would they justify it if then those public health orders end? Okay, that sounds interesting. Um, Kate, you've mentioned the case of Kasim and Hazard. Um, have there been any other cases? Yes, there have been a few cases. Uh, so obviously one of the, the big cases that was, um, was the case of Kimba and Sapphire Coast. And that case was not so much about the COVID vaccine, but about a flu vaccine. Um, and that was taken to the Fair Work Commission, but then it was appealed. So in the Fair Work Commission, this particular lady hadn't had the flu vaccine in her workplace for about five years. But uh, then with COVID, this, this uh, aged care facility said that you had to have the flu vaccine um, in order to keep your job. So they were mandating the flu vaccine. Um, she said on medical grounds that she had had a, um, an allergic reaction the last time she'd had it five years ago and then it was never raised for her or followed up for her to have it in the, the next few years uh, and she was dismissed. So she brought, um, she brought a case to the Fair Work Commission and um, then it was appealed and overturned and they took the opportunity to not just look at the flu vaccine but also... Um, a vaccine for a COVID requirement um, and it was found that that whilst vaccines should be voluntary that um, that it wasn't an unreasonable request for her to be um, vaccinated and um, that, that then meant that she was unable to fulfill the inherent inherent requirements wow. to um, let her stay in that workplace so I guess that's a fairly strong decision that has only recently come out um, in September, the end of September. So I think that's causing a lot of concern for a number of people. Um, bearing in mind, she would fit into that tier two workplace. And um, it'll be interesting to see as we move forward, workplaces that don't fit into those first two tiers how yeah. it's handled. I guess what we're seeing is that a number of workplaces are coming forward asking for advice. A number of them are actually um, want to, wanting to put policies in place of their own volition um, and not necessarily because of, of an order. Uh, there's a case at the moment that's just being filed, I think, just yesterday, and that's where the Metal Workers Union are taking a stevedoring company um, to the Fair Work Commission on behalf of 22 employees that have been sacked for not being vaccinated. Now, stevedores, you know, obviously they unload stuff off ships, um, yeah. and uh, but 22 of them were sacked by email. And um, the policy for this particular company, it came into place after earlier in the year there were Six, I think it was 63 employees were deemed casual contacts of someone. Of course, you know, the rules around isolating have seriously Im impacted that business. And I think that's the balance that we've got is how it's going to impact businesses and cost them if mm -hmm. they don't implement these strategies or 
um, and, and, and that's where they're justifying that they, they probably do need to do them in the, the people that I've spoken to. Yeah. But, um, but then I guess the other question is, you know, I'm aware of other businesses where they still, even if you're vaccinated, you would still have those same um, difficulties under the current public health orders. You know, you'd still have to close down or do cleaning or, or isolate, even well, if you're vaccinated. that's what I'm understanding. So, you, you could have everyone vaccinated and you still have to shut down and go through the same procedures as if you didn't have the policy in place. Yeah. And I think that's what hasn't been challenged. That hasn't been challenged in the in the courts as yet. Um, and that'll be interesting as that rolls out. So I think as um, once the public health orders do actually lapse, um, each public health order lasts for 90 days. And then unless uh, another one is enacted because there's another threat or something like that, then, then they actually do come to an end. So I think once, once it does settle down, there's no doubt that, you know, with the vaccination rates that it has brought the numbers down that seems to be indisputable um uh though it seems that that's kind of um we'll wait and see what happens as we go forward but interesting like safe work have come out with a statement where they've said that um they don't see for for most employers they'll not need to make vaccinations mandatory to meet their health and safety obligations so I think at the moment there's still quite a lot of um, tension. There's a lot of unknown factors mm. and, uh, and that's really affecting, you know, people are still so uncertain. Well, it's interesting that Safe Work have even come out to say that. I mean, that's, that could be quite telling within itself if they've said that. But, you know, you just have to wonder, is mandatory vaccination in the workplace the only solution? And it seems that a lot of people... Um, not people, a lot of employers seem to think that's the only solution. Um, and I just question myself on a personal level um, whether there are other solutions, like um, what I hear is rapid antigen testing is um, a, another solution. And that was actually suggested by my doctor when I had a chat to him about it, um, that that could be something that employers could look into for, for employees who don't wish to be vaccinated it's it's a solution but for some reason they just don't look at that um, well that's my understanding of what's what's been happening for some well many months now in the UK um, and that's again personal speaking to you know friends over there that have children that are working and um, and that that's been something that they've they've done when they've been going into the office they've done those they've used rapid antigen testing I think that's only just become available in the last couple of weeks for us here um, but um, I think it'll come down to, to the, the requirements and policies, the reasonable policies and workplace directions of each, of each um, employer. Uh, I mean, there was a, a decision that also came out this week um, from uh, Qantas had a mask mandate, which isn't exactly... Um, which isn't exactly vaccination, but I think it sort of sets a bit of a stage where Qantas brought in a policy that all staff must wear masks ahead of that being one of the public health orders. Um, they did it of their own volition, and um, one of their employee, one of their employees, who I think was a, a stewardess, didn't um, wear a mask. She had a medical exemption, and I think this is quite interesting in that she had a medical exemption, and um, they she was dismissed for not wearing the mask mandate, but not uh, adhering to it. 
she actually, um, it came out that she had Hashimoto's disease and, and brain tumours. And her doctor had said that, you know, she, she shouldn't be wearing this mask. Um, they then um, did further investigation and said that she wasn't suitable to hold down the job in that case. And, and that, that has been upheld. That's um, incredible. So even with an exemption, and this is a mask, yes. this isn't even a vaccination, an exemption, she still got fired and it was still upheld. Yes, and her argument was that it was a substantive variation to her contract because it wasn't in her original employment contract. And uh, they actually came out and said that given the circumstances of COVID, and I, in reading the facts of the case, apparently one, one uh, you know, customer made a complaint that she wasn't wearing the mask. Um, and, uh, and on the basis of that, um, she was... Um, she lost her, her job. Well, she had to leave because it was like you've got to leave. So they they took um they took a case saying that she had been constructively dismissed, but she wasn't successful. I just wonder if employers uh, can maybe just find some other job suitable rather than just um, letting the employee go. But I suppose that's a consideration yeah. for another time. But. Well, no, actually, I would like to say something about that because when you're looking at the guidance that Fair Work have brought out, they're saying that all of the usual consultative um, aspects of employment are still relevant. You know, we're not just throwing everything out. You still have to consult with your staff. You still need to, you still need to go through those normal processes if you're bringing in significant changes to, to your policies and procedures. Um, and where it says, uh, like in tier four, then it might be a possibility that you need to explore if you decide to go that way and so change your workplace culture that everybody must, um, must be vaccinated if they're going to be attending the office, then it may be a case that we've obviously seen over the past you know, 12 months that, that in many cases people can work from home um, and where they can then those flexibilities may need to be afforded to people to keep their jobs particularly if there if there's a possibility of that um, so that's something else that that may need to be explored on my reading of um, of the current mm. circumstance and having said that we're, we're, we're recording this today it could all change tomorrow Nicole yeah. it seems to be a moving piece right at the moment yeah, I am pretty curious with how it is going to develop because from what you're saying, you've mentioned four cases today and they've all seemed to go in favour of the employer. Um, but I, I really do question how long that's going to last because, you know, there's, there's words being thrown out there, um, uh, bodily autonomy and um, human rights and things like that. And I can't help but question that it will be tested. And I don't know if it will, be, like personally, I, this, I'm not an employment lawyer. I have no idea on this space, but something just doesn't sound right um, in the, in, with, with everything that's going on. And it just seems to me that one day there is something that's going to come up in court where they're going to say there's a point there. Um, I, I get the whole idea, everybody wants to be vaccinated, everyone wants to be safe, but it also seems that um, we're also forgetting people do have a right to choose. And yes, you do have a right to choose and then you, you have the obligation to society not to go around infecting everyone. But, you know, if you've got now, what are we at? Almost 95% of South Wales. 
I, I'm mm. just not, I, I don't know. I just, I wonder how long this is going to last is my point. I don't know. Well, I think there's there's two groups of people in that. There's people that don't want to because uh, for various beliefs or various reasons, they just don't want to. Um, and, and that would seem to sit under the human rights you know, legislation. And then there's people who like this um, this woman in the in the Qantas case. She has a medical exemption. She has a genuine reason. Um, there's been a lot of people, and I guess the um, uh, the case in uh, in Kimber as well. I mean, she had an allergic reaction. I myself had an allergic reaction to one of the vaccinations and ended up uh, in a bit of a, a pickle. Um, and so there are definitely um, a lot of cases where people are having adverse reactions oh, uh, so that that which which creates a whole medical category it's not that people are anti-vaxxers or they don't want to but it actually is uh, a problem for them and 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 life-threatening and then there's people that don't want to because they they have either a belief system or they just don't want to which is you know we generally have these choices you know no I don't yeah. want to do that yeah. and we keep being told that vaccinations are voluntary um and it doesn't sound that way that the way it's it's been pushed it's not been sounding that way at all well when you take away somebody's livelihood their ability to work uh their ability you know i'm not going to talk about their ability to move around because that ought to fall off with the um with the public health orders but if you're going to take away their ability to work i'm not quite sure how voluntary that actually is um but um, at the moment, I think we're still in this landscape where we've got these public health orders, and, and perhaps that's muddying the water on some of the some of the broader um, principles that we've got in place. But I think we'll just have to wait and see. Mm. I wonder if anyone has brought in mandatory vaccination at work during this time of the public health order. Once that gets um, once that's finished, whether those policies will then get knocked out. The, um the work policies for mandatory vaccination that that would be interesting as well to see but i'm anyway. not sure but we'll say yeah. it's certainly a space to watch and it's certainly shaking things up a bit but it does you know when you look at the the classifications it depends on the type of work that you're doing and whether or not there's a business case for um for upholding those those policies and that's my that's my interpretation of it but um, we'll just have to wait and see. And um, just, um, I just want to quickly ask, you were mentioning some state laws and some federal laws. So is it just going to depend on each person's situation if they want to make a claim against their employer, whether it goes down the federal or state line? No, no. It depends whether your employer sits underneath which which uh, system and it's really only generally speaking state government employers that sit under the state system but um, the state employment law system in industrial relations commission most most employment falls underneath the fair work commission which is a federally based um, a federally based uh, jurisdiction but um, the the public health orders have been enacted on a state-by-state basis because obviously states look after health um, and states look after you know education so that's why those those areas have have been able to be determined by the states Um, and it's interesting and quite when you look at all the the different things that each state has mandated because it's not consistent across the states either so um 
Well, that's telling yeah. within itself when we're talking about the same disease <laughs> and everyone's got something yeah. different to say. <laughs> As um, to who should be mandated. <laughs> oh, far out. This is just, it, it. I think it's like what you said. It's just a minefield. What's what's going on? And there's just so much more to, to come out of it. Also, um, when there's more research done on the on the drugs as well, um, that will also be telling with what can be done. Right now, it's all a guessing game, I think. Um, but no, I, I still don't think that um, it will. I, I think I think so, there will be an employer out there. I think who will get shot down. But this is a totally uneducated guess because, like I said, I'm not an employment <laughs> lawyer. I have no idea. Um, but, yeah, if I had to place money on it, but I wouldn't do that. <laughs> well, it um, hasn't happened yet. But um, as I said, there's, it's every, everything's got its own set of facts. Um, and I think the important thing to note is that we're still relatively early on in, in, this, um, in this landscape as well think, yeah, that, I know it, it seems like we've been doing this forever but, but yeah we're still quite quite early I think that's how the key about it that's the key it's still quite early yes <laughs> so mm. that's what I've been saying we'll just um obviously they've you know done what we need to and and um cases are falling um just have to have to see um what becomes the the new norm I guess yeah in terms of um how it how it behaves and and uh, what threats there are to both businesses and to and to public health. Yeah, who knows? This might be another podcast for another time. <laughs> it an could be. <laughs> <laughs> if there comes up one of those cases that you're betting on, I'll I'll come back and talk about it. <laughs> yes, yes, we could do that. We can do a case review. But um, oh, thanks so much, Kate. Um, I'll just ask: Is there anything that you any last messages? you want to send out there um, for the listeners today? No, look, I think employment very often is, is about applying things to your individual circumstance and everybody's circumstance is quite different. And, um, and, I, and whilst this does seem like it's somewhat, uh, you know, a blanket solution, I don't think it necessarily is when you, when you look into it a bit more carefully. So it is something you do need to consider carefully um, and um, to if you do need help then, or advice, then you should get it. Um, and one final thing, Kate, is there any disclaimers that you wanted to make? Yes. <laughs> this is changing <laughs> on a daily basis. Nothing I've said here is advice um, <laughs> to, to anybody other than that you really do need to get individual advice for your individual circumstance because um, even if you look at the cases that we've had, they're very, very different and the fact situations are very different in each one of them. So, um, so yeah, so this is not advice. This is just a general chat about what's been going on. Um, and if you do need advice, you can call me or some other employment lawyer. But employment law is a very specific area of law. So, yeah. I do think it's important that you see somebody that um, that is across that area yes. of law. Yes, definitely. Um, don't come and see me for employment law. Don't <laughs> <laughs> send them all to me. <laughs> I'll, I'll, I'll just be guessing and and um, and probably and 
well, not probably, I am making those uneducated guesses, which is why I've asked you questions today. Um, thank you for coming on to The Curious Lawyer here today, Kate. Um, it's been really interesting hearing all what's going on, getting a bit of an update, especially on the case law. Um, and so until next time, thank you. Thank you very much. If you have a question you would like answered, please ask in the comment box below. I'm Nicola Garby from Ellison Legal. For more information, click the link in the show notes.